So this is the Dr. Harold Miniature and Collectibles paid read. Is that what we're calling it? Okay, here we go. Dr. Harold, noted professor of collectibles with a PhD in Funko, has gathered the best of the best collections and collectibles in one online store. For the collector, Dr. Harold has action figures from McFarlane, Mezco, NECA, Marvel, DC, Bandai, and Ninja Turtles, plus Pokemon cards, retro toys, Dragon Ball Z, G.I. Joe, Mandalorian, Star Wars, Star Trek, Game of Thrones, Power Rangers, Strange Things, Rick and Morty, Transformers, Magic the Gathering, John Wick, Harry Potter, Indiana Jones, <gasps> Oh boy, that's a lot. Also, board games, card games, and for those mystically inclined, tarot cards. DrHerald.MyShopify.com That's DrHerald.MyShopify.com Dr. Harold played varsity for the University of Retail Therapy, so he knows what sports fans want. Bobbleheads, panini baseball cards, and collectibles for the NFL, the NBA, and the soccer leagues. Just, just go now. DrHerald.MyShopify.com DrHerald.MyShopify.com You're going to love that new stuff is added all the time. So the treasure hunt for you can continue. Dr. Harold's Miniatures and Collectibles online. DrHerald.MyShopify.com Torches flared murkily in the section of the city known as the Mall, where all the robbers and cutthroats of the East held carnival by night. In the Mall, they could carouse and roar as they liked, for honest men shunned that quarter of the city of thieves, and watchmen, well paid with stained coins, did not interfere with their sport. Along the crooked, unpaved streets, with their heaps of refuse and puddles, drunken revelers staggered. Torchlight looked luridly from broken windows and wide-thrown doors, and out of those doors, rushing like a blow in the face, came the clamor of drinking jacks and fists hammered on rock tables. In one of those dens, merriment thundered to the low, smoke-stained roof as rascals gathered in every stage of rags and tatters. Thirty cutpurses, leering kidnappers, quick-fingered thieves, swaggering bravos with their winches. Native Zamorian rogues were the dominant element, but there were human wolves there of half a dozen outland nations as well. And the fat, gross rogue whose bawdy jests were causing all the shouts of mirth was a professional kidnapper come up from distant Koth to teach woman-stealing to Zamorians. They were born with more knowledge of the art than he could ever attain. Hi, Bell God of all thieves. I'll show you how to steal winches. I'll have her over the border before dawn where there's a caravan waiting to receive her. Three hundred pieces of silver a count of warfare promised me for a sleek young Berthunian of a better class. Is she a pretty baggage? I know Lord Zen Shem, who would trade the secret of the Elephant Tower for her. A touch on his sleeve made the bloated Carthian turn his head, scowling. What what the devil? A tall, strongly made youth stood beside him. A man as much out of place in that den as a gray wolf among the mangy rats of the gutter. His cheap tunic could not conceal the hard, rangy lines of his powerful frame. The broad, heavy shoulders, the massive, lean waist and heavy arms. 
His skin was brown from outland suns, his eyes blue and smoldering, a shock of tousled black hair crowning his broad forehead, and at his side hung a sword in a worn leather scabbard. You spoke of the Elephant Tower a moment ago. I've heard much of his tower. What is its secret? <laughs> the secret of the Elephant Tower? Why any fool knows that Yara the priest dwells there with a great jewel that men call the Elephant Heart. That is a secret of his magic. I have seen this tower. It is set in a great garden above the level of the city, surrounded by high walls. But I've seen no guards, and the walls would be easy to climb. Why hasn't someone stolen this gem if it's so powerful? Ha! Hearken to this heathen! He would steal the jewel of Yara! Hearken, Carl. I uh, suppose you're some sort of northern barbarian. I am a Sumerian. Well, listen to me and learn something. Know that in Zamora, and most especially in the city of Thebes, there are more bold robbers than anywhere else in the world, even caught. If mortal man could have stolen that gem, be sure it would have been filched long ago. But if a man could pass through the gardens, why could he not reach the gem through the upper part of the tower, and thus avoid not only the soldiers, but the Shiara also? <laughs> Listen to him! The barbarian is an eagle who can fly to the jeweled rim of the tower, which is only 150 feet above the earth, with rounded sides slicker than polished glass. Come, come, tell these poor fellows who've only been thieves since before you were spawned. Tell them how you would steal the jet. Mm. There is always a way, if the desire be coupled with courage. What? You dare tell me my business and then intimate that I'm a coward? Get along! Get out of my sight! Mm. Will you mock me and then lay hands on me? His quick rage leaping up, the barbarian returned the Cothian shove with an open-handed blow that sent his tormentor sprawling, pulling on the sword. You heathen dog! I'll have your heart out for that! Steel flashed, and the throng surged wildly back out of the way. In their flight, they knocked over the single candle that lit the place, and the den was plunged into darkness. When the candle was relighted, the barbarian was gone and the center of the room was deserted except for the gashed, lifeless body of the Cothian. The Sumerian, with the unerring instinct of the barbarian, had killed his man in the darkness and confusion. The lurid lights and drunken revelry fell away behind the Sumerian. He had discarded his torn tunic and walked through the night naked except for a loincloth and high-strapped sandals. He moved with the supple ease of a great tiger, his steely muscles rippling under his bronzed skin. At length, he saw it looming ahead of him against the sky, the tower of the elephant. For a passing moment, he wondered why it was so named. No one seemed to know. He had never seen an elephant, but a wandering Shemite had sworn to him that it was a monstrous animal with a tail in front as well as behind. But all men know what liars are the men of Shin. The tower itself rose frostily beneath the stars, a round, slim, perfect cylinder 150 feet in height, standing among the waving, exotic trees of a garden enclosed by a great high wall. No light shone forth, and only a rim of great jewels high above sparkled in the moonlight. Conan halted before the wall. He knew it would be child's play to scale, 
but he hesitated at the thought of Yara, the high priest who lived somewhere within the tower. At last, curiosity overcame the barbarian, and leaping lightly, he was over the wall in an instant. Inside, starlight fell on the grassy sward, and somewhere a fountain tinkled. Drawing his sword, he made for the nearby shrubbery, only to nearly trip over a form that lay crumpled near the edge of the bushes. Crumb! A guard! He's been strangled, and the body's still warm. The barbarian glanced about uneasily. Suddenly, straining his eyes through the gloom, he saw a hint of motion through the shrubs near the wall. He glided toward it, making no more noise than a panther stealing through the night. Yet the man he was stalking heard. He wheeled quickly, blade in hand. For a tense moment, neither spoke, standing ready for anything. You are no soldier. Or a thief like myself. And who are you? Taurus of Nemedia. Ah, I've heard of you. Men call you a prince of thieves. <laughs> and rightly so. Now, who the devil are you? I am Conan, a Sumerian. I came seeking a way to steal Yara's jewel, the one men call the elephant's heart. <laughs> Five bell god of thieves. I thought that only myself had courage enough to attempt that bit of poaching. Conan, I like your grit. By Bell, we'll attempt this together. If you're willing. I'll go as far as any man. Then follow me. The Nemedian thief led the barbarian to a second inner wall. This they both scaled easily and dropped down into the inner garden, which was a vague pool of shadows beneath the moon. Keep behind me, Sumerian, as you value your life. Taking a copper tube from his belt, the Nemedian fixed his gaze on the shadowy mass of shrubbery a few yards away. Shrubbery was suddenly shaken, although the breeze had died down, and two great eyes blazed out from the darkness, and behind them, other sparks of fire glinted through the black. <gasps> lions! There are lions inside, maybe more, back in the bushes. Be silent! Taurus moved out from the wall, cautiously lifting the slender copper tube. Low rumblings rose from the shadows. As the blazing eyes moved forward, Conan could sense the great slavering jaws. He gripped his sword, expecting the sudden charge, the loud roar, and the irresistible hurtling of giant bodies. Just then, Taurus brought the mouth of the copper tube to his lips and blew powerfully. A long jet of yellowish powder shot out from the tube and billowed instantly into a thick green-yellow cloud that settled over the shrubbery, blotting out the glaring eyes. Conan could see nothing. What is that mist? Death. Soon only yellowish shreds of mist hung ghost-like in the air. Then they too were gone, and Taurus motioned his companion forward. There in the shadows lay five great tawny shapes, the fire of their grim eyes dimmed forever. Wrong. They died without a sound. Taurus, what was in that powder? It was made for the Black Lotus. The scent strikes dead any who smell it. And that was all I possessed. Uh, but common Bell's name. Are we to waste the night in discussion? Come. They glided through the shrubbery to the foot of the tower. There Taurus unwound the knotted cord about his waist, one end of which was a strong steel hook. He gripped the line and swung it about his head. Then he threw the line with a smooth, rippling motion of his mighty arm. Up and up it went to vanish over the jeweled rim high above. Ha! Luck the first cast. Now, we must climb this cord. And little need to ask a Sumerian if he can. If it will bear my weight. <laughs> it will bear thrice my own. 
It was woven from the tresses of dead women, which I took from their tombs at midnight and steeped in the deadly wine of the upas tree to give it strength. Follow me closely. Gripping the rope, the Nemedian ascended it like a cat. The Sumerian followed with ease. Up and up they went. The lights of the city spread out further and further to their sight as they climbed. Now Taurus reached the top and pulled himself up and over the rim. Conan paused a moment as he did the same, fascinated by the great frosty jewels whose gleams dazzled his barbarian eyes. There's a fabulous fortune in jewels here. Come on, come on. If we secure the heart, these and all other things shall be ours. Follow me. Now is when the real risks begin. Like stalking tigers, they crept across the dark, gleaming floor to a sparkling, bejeweled door. It opened soundlessly to Taurus' cautious hand. Over the Nemedian's shoulder, Conan had a glimpse of walls, ceiling, and floors inside, all crusted with great white jewels. I'll go first, lad. You follow me in a moment. Stealthily, Taurus entered. Then suddenly... Taurus! Taurus! Taurus swayed and his lips parted, but only a dry rattle burst from his throat. He lurched forward then fell headlong, clutching at his throat. Then he suddenly stiffened, and Conan knew without touching him that Taurus was dead, crouching like a wolf at bay. Conan stared through the wide-flung door, but he saw nothing moving inside. He turned back to the dead Nemedian. No mark of violence, except here on his neck. Three small wounds with black edges. Cautiously, Conan stole into the chamber, all but ignoring the jewels which lay strewn within. Then suddenly, death struck at him. A flying shadow swept across the gleaming floor. Only the barbarian's instinctive sidelong leap had saved his life. Conan had a flashing glimpse of a hairy black horror that rushed past him with a clashing of frothing fangs, and then something splashed from his bare shoulder that burned like drops of liquid hellfire. Then turning, sword held high, he saw a gigantic black spider, such as men behold only in their deepest nightmare. A spider large as a great hound, its eight thick hairy legs driving its horrible body over the floor at headlong pace. Four evilly gleaming eyes shining with a frightening intelligence, its fangs dripping the deadly venom which had already burned the barbarian's shoulder. Fools that we were, not to have suspected that the upper chambers would be guarded. Again, the monster charged. Conan leaped high. It passed beneath him, wheeled and charged back. This time as he dodged it, his sword severed one of its misshapen legs. With seven remaining legs, the great spider ran up the wall to the ceiling to crouch for an instant, glaring down at him with fiendish red eyes. Then, without warning, it suddenly launched itself through the face, trailing a strand of slimy, grayish fluid. Conan ducked frantically, barely escaping being snared by the flying web rope. He sprang toward the floor, but the spider was even quicker, and the silky strand across the far door made him a prisoner. He dared not try to cut through it, for before he could do so, the monster would be sinking its fangs into his back. And now began a deadly, desperate game. Again and again, the spider raced across the ceiling out of sword's reach, dropping long, sticky loops of gray web strands. The strands were as thick as ropes, and Conan knew that once they were coiled about him, not all his barbarian strength would set him free before the monster struck. Then, suddenly, as the spider cast still another gruesome strand, it struck Conan's leg, knocking him off balance. He caught himself on his hands as he fell. He looked up. The hairy devil was racing down the wall to complete its conquest. You, you spider! 
form of hell! Stung to frenzy, Conan caught up a jewel chest which lay at hand and hurled it with all of his might. <laughs> In the midst of those branching black legs, it struck. Blood and greenish slime spattered, and the broken mass fell to the floor. The crushed black body lay among the flaming riot of jewels that spilled over it. Those great hairy legs moved aimlessly, twitched a final time, and then were still. Working free of the web, he cut through the strands which sealed the inner door and turned the latch. It was not locked. Inside, he saw only a flight of silver steps, dimly lighted and leading downward. Noiselessly, he began to descend them. Presently, he came to a gleaming white door set with bloodstones. Carefully, he pressed against the door and it swung silently inward. On the shimmering threshold, Conan stared like a wolf at bay. He was looking into a large chamber with a domed golden ceiling. The walls were of green jade, the floor of silver white, partly covered with thick rugs. Smoke and the exotic scent of incense floated up from a brazier, and behind it sat an idol on a marble couch. Conan stared aghast. The image had the body of a man, naked and green in color, but the head... Head was one of nightmare and madness. It was too large for the human body, nor did it look at all human. Conan stared at the wide, flaring ears, the curling tentacle where a nose should have been, the white tusks tipped with round golden balls. The eyes of the statue were closed as if in sleep. Wrong, take me. So this is the reason it's called the Tower of the Elephant. This is Yara's god. Conan moved forward slowly, his eyes fixed on the motionless idol. Then, suddenly, his eyes opened. The Cimmerian froze in his tracks. This was no idol. It was a living thing, and he was trapped in its chamber. Conan stood stark still, unable to move, even to flee in his horror. As the trunk of the thing was lifted and quested about, the topaz eyes of the monster stared uneasily, and Conan knew that they were blind. Yet the creature heard. Who is here? Yara, have you come to torture me again? Will you never be done? Oh, Yargosha, is there no end of agony? Great tears rolled from the sightless eyes, and as Conan's gaze strayed to the monster's limbs, he knew it would not rise to attack him. For he saw on those limbs the mark of the rack and the searing brand of flame, and suddenly... All fear and repulsion went from him to be replaced by a great pity. What this creature was, Conan could not know, but its suffering seemed so terrible that a strange, aching sadness came over the Sumerian. He knew not why. He felt only that he was looking upon a cosmic tragedy, and he shrank with shame as if the guilt of the whole human race were laid upon him. I am not Yara. I'm, I'm only a thief. I will not harm you. Come near that I may touch you. You are not of Yara's race of devils. The clean, lean fierceness of the wasteland mocks you. There is blood on your fingers. A spider on the chamber above. You have slain a man too this night. And there is death in the tower above. I feel, I know. Aye, the prince of all thieves lies dead there from the bite of the spider. Ah, so and so... A slaying in the tavern and a slaying on the roof. I know. I feel. And 
And the third slaying will make the magic of which not even Niara dreams. O oh, magic of deliverance, O oh, great green gods of Yog! Listen, O oh man, I am foul and monstrous to you, am I not? Nay, do not answer, I know. But you would seem as strange to me, could I see you? There are many worlds besides this earth, and life takes many shapes. I am neither god nor demon, but flesh and blood like yourself, though the substance and the form be different. Then whence did you come? I am very old man of the far countries. Long and long ago I came to this planet with others of my world from the great green planet Yog, which circles forever on the outer fringes of this universe. We swept through the ether on mighty wings that drove us through the cosmos more quickly than light. But we could never return. For on Earth our wings withered from our shoulders. Here we abode apart from the earthly life. We saw men grow from the ape and build the shining cities. We saw the very oceans arise and engulf Atlantis. We saw new savages drift over the land to build a new civilization. And we saw this race of devils, the survivors of the ancient culture that was before Atlantis sank, rise once more into civilization and power. This accursed kingdom of Zamora. All this we saw, neither aiding nor hindering the immutable cosmic law, and one by one we died. For we of Yog are not immortal, though our lives are as the lives of planets and stars. At last I alone was left, dreaming of old times among the ruined temples, worshipped as a god by an ancient race. Then came Yara, Yara versed in dark knowledge, with guile gotten among the dusky tombs of Stygia, he tricked me into divulging a secret I had not intended to bear, and turning my power upon me, he enslaved me. Ah, gods of Yog, my cup has been bitter since that hour. Again tears stole from the unseeing eyes as Conan stood unmoving. Pent me in this tower which at his command I built for him in a single night. By fire and rack he mastered me, and for three hundred years he has kept me alive to do his bidding, blackening my soul with cosmic sins that have no name. Yet not all my ancient secrets has he wrested from me. And my last gift shall be the sorcery of the blood and the jewel. For I feel the end of time draw near. You, man of Samaria, are the hand of fate. I beg of you, take the gem you will find on yonder altar. The heart of the elephant. Ah, the great magic. The mighty magic such as Earth has not seen before and shall not see again. Take your sword, O oh man, and cut out my heart. Then squeeze it so that the blood will flow over the red stone. Then go you down these stairs and into the ebony chamber where Yara sits wrapped in lotus streams of evil. 
speak his name and he will awaken. Then lay this gem before him and say, Yakosha gives you a last gift and a last enchantment. Then get you quickly from the tower. Fear not, your way shall be made clear. I will do as you say. The life of man is not the life of Yog, nor is human death the death of Yog. Let me be free of this cage of broken, blinded flesh, and I will once more be morning crowned and shining with wings to fly and feet to dance and eyes to see. And now, man of Samaria, strike, strike home. Uncertainly, Kunan approached, and young Kosher, as if sensing his uncertainty, indicated where he should smite. Conan set his teeth and drove the sword deep. <laughs> Blood streamed over the blade and his hand, and the monster started convulsively, then lay back quite still. Sure that life had fled, at least life as he understood it, Conan set to work on his grisly task and quickly brought forth something that he felt must be the strange being's heart. Holding the still pulsing organ over the blazing jewel, he pressed it with both hands and a rain of blood fell on the stone. <laughs> the blood does, does not run off. It soaks into the gem. Then holding the jewel carefully, he strode from the fantastic chamber and without hesitation descended the silver steps. At last he halted before an ebony door and pushed it open. There amid a chamber of ebony, on a black silken couch, Yara the sorcerer lay before him. His eyes were open and dilated with the fumes of the yellow lotus, as if fixed on gulfs and nighted abysses beyond human kin. Yara, awaken! He who sent this gem let me say, Yad Kosha gives a last gift and a last enchantment. Ishtar! Yara recoiled, his dark face suddenly ashen. The jewel was no longer crystal clear. Its murky depths pulsed and throbbed, and curious waves of changing color passed over its smooth surface. As if drawn hypnotically, Yara gripped the gem in his hand, staring into its shadowed recesses, and as Conan watched, he thought his eyes must be playing him tricks, for with a shock he realized that the once tall priest was shrinking in stature and growing smaller before his very eyes. Conan knew only that he was looking upon the meeting of vast outer forces beyond his understanding, and now the sorcerer suddenly realized his fate. No! For already he was no bigger than a child. Now, like an infant sprawled on the table, he sprang up, releasing the gem to fall. But still he dwindled, and Conan saw a tiny doll-like figure rushing wildly about the ebony tabletop, waving tiny arms and shrieking in a voice he could hardly hear. Help me! Oh, ye gods! Help me! Now he had shrunk until the great jewel towered above him like a hill, and Conan sensed that some unseen magnetic force was pulling Yara to the gem. Bending close, Conan saw Yara give in to that force and clamber up the smooth, curving surface, impossibly like a man climbing a glass mountain. Now the priest stood at last on the top, still with tossing arms invoking grisly names which only he and the gods knew. And suddenly he sank into the very heart of the jewel as a man sinks into the sea. My drum! Now he saw Yara inside the jewel, which was once more crystal clear, and into heart came a green, shining, winged figure with the body of a man and the head of an elephant. Yagkosha, but no longer blind and crippled, 
threw up his arms and fled as a madman flees, and on his heels came the avenging Yag Kosha. Then, like the bursting of a bubble, the great jewel vanished in a rainbow burst of iridescent gleams, and the ebony tabletop lay bare and deserted, as bare Conan somehow knew as the marble couch in the chamber above where the body of Yag Kosha had lain. The Sumerian turned then and fled from the chamber down the silver stairs. Down that winding, shadowy stair he ran to come at last into a large chamber where several Sumerian soldiers slumped across banquet board among their dice and fallen goblets. Conan knew at once that they were dead. The promise had been made, the word kept, and a silver door stood open, framed in the whiteness of dawn. Into the waving green gardens ran Conan, and as the dawn wind blew upon, he started the man waking from a dream. He turned back to stare at the great tower he had just left, but even as he looked, he saw the gleaming tower sway against the crimson dawn, its jewel-crusted rims sparkling in the glowing light, and million shining shards. So this is the Dr. Harold Miniature and Collectibles paid read. Is that what we're calling it? Okay, here we go. One, two, three, Dr. Harold, noted professor of collectibles with a PhD in Funko, has gathered the best of the best collections and collectibles in one online store. For the collector, Dr. Harold has action figures from McFarlane, Mezco, NECA, Marvel, DC, Bandai, and Ninja Turtles, plus Pokemon cards, retro toys, Dragon Ball Z, G.I. Joe, Mandalorian, Star Wars, Star Trek, Game of Thrones, Power Rangers, Strange Things, Rick and Morty, Transformers, Magic the Gathering, John Wick, Harry Potter, Indiana Jones. <gasps> oh boy, that's a lot. Also, board games, card games, and for those mystically inclined, tarot cards. DrHerald.MyShopify.com That's DrHerald.MyShopify.com Dr. Harold played varsity for the University of Retail Therapy, so he knows what sports fans want. Bobbleheads, Panini baseball cards, and collectibles for the NFL, the NBA, and the soccer leagues. Just just go now. DrHerald.MyShopify.com DrHerald.MyShopify.com You're going to love that new stuff is added all the time. So the treasure hunt for you can continue. Dr. Harold's Miniatures and Collectibles, online, drherald.myshopify.com. <laughs>